The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You know the show, you listen to Railroad Sports on the Voice of America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. I tell you what matters. I've been man, I've been out the office. I've been out the office for a long time. You know, I've, I've missed doing the show a couple times. I apologize for those loyal listeners out there, but you know what I had to do. I had to handle my business. I appreciate the fact that you missed me, but uh, I had to take a, a trip to the Ohio State University in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, of course, I got a beautiful little daughter who was uh, considering the Ohio State University as one of her choices. Thought I'd just, you know, put that little plug in there, a little shout, and, you know, I'm rooting for the Ohio State University when it comes to decision-making time. She's not. She's athletic, but this is this is about academics. Yeah, she got some of my genes. You understand that. Uh, so I want to throw that in there. But she's also, there's another school out there in Malibu. That she's considering, too. So whatever God has planned for her, I'm going to support her. But that was part of the reason why. But also, myself, I I was in California. I'm sure many of you have heard about players who uh, have those uh, uh, injuries that that come around later in the years of their lives and sneak up on you. And, you know, as Woody used to say to you, don't let them sneak up on you and hit you in the head with a sack of shit. So (laughs) there's a couple sacks of shit trying to fall upon me, and uh, I'm trying to fight it off and, uh, you know, going through that whole workers' comp thing, you know, and, you know, I just really don't understand it. Listen, if, if it's a benefit that is to benefit an individual that qualifies for the benefit, what's the fight all about? Lawyers and all that kind of stuff. Really? Come on, man. You know, I'm, you know, my body hurts me every which way but loose. You know, many times I don't let me get down and watch one of my favorite movies on, you know, on the floor. You know, I'm down there watching Django. I can't get up off the floor. I'm watching life. I can't get up off the floor. I'm watching a basketball game, football game. Can't get up off the floor. You know, I'm sleeping at night. You know, sleeping, really? Woo! And don't tell me I knew what I was getting into because you didn't tell me that. I, you got a lot of information out there now. Now, should I? I don't want to throw a stab at the medical profession, but were guys a little smarter back then or less smart? Was a lack of I know there was a lack of something information they didn't share. So would they teach them something in medical school now that they wasn't teaching before? I don't know what's going on. I do know one thing. NBA is hot. NBA is hot, and you know the heat is hotter. And that's throwing that in there for LeBron James, you know. But it's also it's, my birthday is Saturday. You know what that means? NFL draft time. The National Football League will be drafted. There's going to be some instant millionaires coming up here. I got my friend in the studio with me. 
Dougie Mack. Doug up, Mack, man? what's up, man? Just chilling, Ray. How you doing, man? Man, I'm I'm doing wonderful, man. It's I hope good everything's to... going okay for you out there in Cali. With the, they were looking into your head a little bit. Man, I tell you what, I, I you know, uh, you know, I, I, and I see, I'm gonna tell you this honest goodness truth. I came home, I did a Google search because I wanted to know if I was exposed to too much radiation. Because anytime one man within one day has 53 X-rays, I'm a little concerned. Yeah. And then if I gotta spend five hours in an MRI tube, I'm a little concerned. You know, problem. so I got 10 MRIs and I got 53 x-rays. And, and this is the second time around. I think the first time it was something like 35 x-rays and 10 MRIs. You know, come on, man. Why, you know, why did you have to go all the way to Cali to do that? Well, that's just, you know, it's, it's, it's a situation whereas uh, that's where my lawsuit was filed. So that's where you have to get things done at. You now know, you're so. in a class action against. I can't talk about it, man. Okay. See why you okay. see, why you sweat me, man? He sweat me every time he come at Dougie Mac. He be sweating. You brought me. it up, man. You brought it up. <laughs> I just wanted to share with the people because they they miss me. I, I had a couple emails. We all did. Some of my loyal folks out there, I appreciate that, you know. But I miss everybody here in the office too, Doug. I can't say I missed you personally because you know somebody we both wear pants, man. They might be a little bit. Concerned, but uh, but anyway, uh, you know, Doug and I don't see far from each other, man. I can good. always get some good information from him when I missed it, and I know I missed a little bit. But Doug don't, hey, Doug Mac don't miss much stuff, man. He don't miss much stuff, and uh, I'm expecting to call this. I'm expecting a call from a, from a brother who, uh, by the way, is responsible in a way for me not having. You know, I got a I got a wedding band, a wedding ring, but I don't have any. NFL rings. You know, I had an NFL alumni ring at one time, and I'm going to get another one. Uh, but, man, uh, the big linebacking brother out there, Ricky Huntley, man, and Ricky, 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 I'm, I'm just going to tell you, man, Denver had some good linebackers back in the day. Ricky, Tom Jackson, uh, you know, they just had good linebackers, man, and, and Kwame Lassiter. Oh, yeah, Kwame, Kwame yeah. Lassiter ran into, uh, uh, these both came a little bit after the Orange Crush, but they always was considered the Orange Crush to me. Right. Uh, but, uh uh, Ricky's supposed to be calling into the show. I need to get Ricky on his own show out here. Ricky, of course, went to University of Arizona, um, you know, out here in uh, in Phoenix. I'm, well, I'm sorry, in Tucson. And uh, I, I didn't know that, but I think, and I'm going to ask Ricky when he calls in, but I believe it was a little bit after him, or he was after my good friend, my good dear friend, uh, Rockman, we called him. And if I say Rockman, if he was there with uh, with uh, Ricky, Ricky, of course, he would know that because there's only one Rockman. And uh, Ricky would know who that is. But I'll tell you what, before we go deep into the draft, you know, there, I mean, you know basketball, man, there, there's something about playoffs. You know, I'm going to say playoffs like Alan says, practice. Right. <laughs> you know, there's something about playoffs, whereas um, it, it just it, 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 it's, it's something a little bit different, whereas the the intensity level definitely picks up. People always say, you know, when you when the preseason is over with and then the real season starts, you know, things pick up. And they do. There's no doubt about that. But once you get into the playoffs, and I'm going to give a, another shout out to coach, you know, coach said playoffs. He said playoffs, I don't said practice. Coach Mora. You know, um but when the playoffs start, and coach Mora never gets the credit he deserves. You know, he didn't do so well you know, maybe when he was in the NFL. But I'll tell you what, when he was with the Stars, you know, he's a Hall of Fame coach with the Stars. Right. He, he put together a team that's unbelievable, you know, uh, you know, almost like uh, Moneyball, you know, in, in the uh, baseball in movie. Baseball. Right, Billy okay. Bean. Okay, know, okay. Right, well, yeah. you know, he did that with the Philadelphia Stars in football, you know. And, uh, again, they, they, they didn't go to the NFL, 
they went to the USFL. Right. You know, and, you know, not all of them got big money. He got a couple stars, you know. Kelvin Bryant, ain't no doubt in my mind, Kelvin Bryant was, from University of North Carolina was an outstanding running back. Uh, great linebacker. Sam Mills was outstanding in the NFL. Sam Mills was great. You know, great linebacker. And so, uh, and they had some other good players. Irv Eatman, you know, yeah. very good, yeah. you know, ball player. Um, but th- th- that's kind of what, uh, Coach Moore was able to do. But, 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 but it's playoff time now in the NBA. And, and basketball has risen to the next level. And I- I'll tell you who's really surprising me. They've been playing some gutsy basketball. And I think, and I don't want to say, there's no way in the world any team could ever say they're better without Kobe Bryant. There's no way. Uh, you, come on. Again, Kobe's in the conversation of maybe two, maybe three people. And I'm going to say it's Michael, Sebron, it's Kobe. At least really? in, in, in my, I, I, no, I'm not saying, I'm, I'm not saying in that order, but I'm just saying in terms of in my generation, you know, and I'm, I've been on this earth for 50 plus years, you know, those are three of the greatest basketball players that I've seen. Yes. And, and, I, and I would say that although he didn't have as much to his game, I certainly think that Julius Irving contributed to the kind of basketball that's played today. Yeah. You know, because it's not just yet. Yeah, yeah, you can get two points. But I had a friend at one time I used to say to him all the time, Doug, listen, a dunk is more than just two points. My friend felt that all a dunk was 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 two points. Right. But no, there's that emotional impact. It's a statement. It's, it's, it's a huge statement. Right. And sometimes it's a poster. It's establishing <laughs> a little superiority. And, 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 and it may only show up two points on the stat sheet. But if you know the time and what it did to the momentum and the emotion of the team and the crowd and the fans and all that and the players, you and I know that that dunk is worth more than yeah, two we've points. We've all been there in the I arena did, when somebody kidding. drives a lane and yeah, just rings I'm the rim. And, and I, everybody I, just comes up. you know. And, and last night as I was watching the game, I think, uh, without a doubt, that the Clippers have some additional microphones that's placed on their backboard. So when they <laughs> throw it down, when Blake throws it down, you can hear it in the speakers on the TV. Man, that's a little extra there. you know. Yeah. And if they, if they haven't done I know they've done that, and I, I will give the NBA, NBA a little bit of credit for that. I think the NFL was doing that for a while, too. They were, you know, they started putting some microphones strategically on the field so that a tackle was now a hit. Yeah. And, and, and it was a distinguished sound, you know, that you knew when somebody got hit. But, you know... You've been watching basketball at all, Doug? You catch a load of these games? Yeah, I'm still mad at the I'm still mad at the NBA. You know, because okay, why are you mad? I think well, we got about uh, I, I don't know how many seconds we got here. We may have, you know, but but certainly uh, my man, you know, D will take me to a commercial when it's time to go. But go ahead. Uh, yeah, I'm just mad at the NBA still because they stole my Sonics. Because Kevin Durant should be scoring for Seattle, not for Oklahoma City. But I'm trying to get past it. I'm trying to get over it, and I'm watching a little bit of it. I mean, it's obvious the Heat are going to win it all. The Heat might not lose a game. I, you know what? Through all the playoffs. We got music. I'm going to come back and talk about that because, you know, I'm watching Brooklyn play, and that was the New Jersey Nets. Brooklyn? Come on, man. Really? The New Jersey Nets? It's kind of cool, Nets. though, though. I like the, the unis look dope, and it's a sweet, oh, it's a sweet arena. Okay, Dougie Mac again, man. He's taking <laughs> over the show. He listens to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. We'll be right back after this message. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. 
So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely despise her, especially at 1-2. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a 9-horse field, but really there are 7 donkeys and 2 zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. You may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. that music you got the show you listen to real sports on the voice of america network i'm in Phoenix, living like it matters uh you know doug i, I forgot to do this man and, and i do this whenever we lose a member of the fraternity and, and and we lost a member of the fraternity uh you know and pat summerall you know one of the you know pat you know great kicker in the national football league but you know also probably without a doubt one of the greatest broadcasters that ever existed and so what I what I want to do is I'm going to take a moment of silence and pay tribute to Pat Summerall. And then we're going to come back and we're going to talk a little bit about Pat Summerall. So, so let me do this. I'm going to take this moment of silence and we're going to pay our respects to Pat Summerall. Okay, we're back. All and right. We're back. Okay. And, and we're so, back. uh, so Pat, God bless you up there in heaven, man. I, I know you're having a good time up there because, you know, Brookie's up there with you. Tom Brookshire's up there with you. And, and you're probably seeing a whole lot of the guys, but I know you and Brooke was friends, man. You know, uh, Brookshire, of course, was a, a great DB for the Philadelphia Eagles and, and Tom always supported my career. But, but I can just tell you this from my experience. And Pat Summerall, as a matter of fact, you know, I, I'm involved in broadcasting because of Pat Summerall and many other people, um, you know, that I've watched over the years. Uh, and I, I certainly want to, him to know in heaven that he inspired my life 
to, to talk about sports and share the information that I know about this game that I know so many people just love to hear from people who actually had that experience of playing the game. And, and Pat was just, I mean, he was a great man too. He, he was a man that was, he was a very humble guy. He might have some issues. We all got issues, but you know, Pat, when he was in the booth, him and John Madden, you just wanted to play a game that Pat Summerall and John Madden was calling because you, you wanted Pat to say your name. Did you know him when you were playing? Oh, yeah. He, he, I mean, I was in the league in 1981. Right. So Pat was calling games. Yeah, when I was playing, you know, and when I say you know him, you know, you know, you, he's, you're on the field warming up. You go by, you say hello to him. You know, you may chat a little bit. You know, I actually talked to him when he was here because Pat had a show here on the network at right. Voice America Sports. Right. And so, um, uh, I mean, we weren't chum chum. I didn't call him. He didn't call me. But, you know, I was a player on the football field and it was a dream. You know, I think people forget about the fact that there are there are multiple aspects to being a quote unquote celebrity athlete, if you will, that inspires a young person. It's not just the experience on the field. It's everything else that it's, comes it's along with Pat it. And, and, and you, you know, yeah, can you yeah. imagine that you know Pat Summerall? You know, you, you, oh, that's what I'm saying. This is a guy, he's a celebrity. He's a former player. He's on TV. And now all of a sudden I know somebody that's on TV. I'll never forget my rookie year, 1981. I think it was Magic's second year. We all came in college together. And, and Magic, Magic used to talk about, you know, when he was being interviewed different times about, him being at parties in, in, in L.A. and just looking around the room at some of the people that were there, it just blew him away. Right. Because two years earlier, you know, he was in college and, and you know, he couldn't go out and get a, a Big Mac meal, you know. <laughs> right, right. And all of a sudden now he, he's magic and they're looking at him like he's magic. And, and he's the, and you sometimes that just doesn't sink in. It's like, you, you know, I, I, one day and I'm a part of this fraternity. How does that happen? And then one day I'm watching, you know, Pat Summerall and he's talking about, you know, Tony Dorsett and, and Lawa Zato and, and Jack Tatum and all those guys. And then one day he's talking about Ray Ellis. It just, it's mind blowing because the man was just so masterful at his skill. And, and I just admired him and him and John Madden doing a game. You always wanted to make sure that you got one of those national games. What would you say if you had, uh, five minutes with the kids who are in New York for the draft right now, who are about to go across that threshold? Who are about to well, step one thing into they miss, in fact, they're not going to pass. Summerall's not going to call the game. Well, but, you know, in, but in, no, in Al, no. Al Michaels will be if he stops getting arrested for DUI. Well, I, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I'm glad you asked that because right now we have a, 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 a good friend of mine who's about to join us, you know, because he, different than me, was a first-round pick. I, I was a 12th-round pick. The bottom line is you just hope that your name gets called on draft day. When there were 12 but, rounds. But I, but yeah. I do not know what it's like to be a first-round draft pick. But I got a former Denver Bronco with me, Ricky Huntley, on the line. Ricky, how you doing, man? Ray, how are you doing, brother? Man, I, I'm doing wonderful, Ricky. And, and and my man in the studio here with me, Doug Mack. Dougie Mack Doug, just... How you doing? Nice, nice to talk to you, Yeah, too, you Doug. too, Ricky. Right on. Thank you. Doug just asked me a question. I really want you to ask that question, Ricky, because I know back in the day, not everybody got a chance to go to New York, uh, you know, to actually be there uh, in, on stage when they call your name out, but even more important, not everybody got a chance to be a first-round draft pick, man. Tell us a little bit about what that's, what that's like, Rick, to be a first-round draft pick in the National Football League, man. Share that with us, please. Well, you know, first of all, in 1984, I don't think they brought in the first-rounders to New York. 
uh, everyone was pretty much at home. I know I wasn't a part of it. I was at home. Actually, I was in Tucson, Arizona, in my apartment, and a coach from the one of the scouts from the Seattle Seahawks was in my living room. I was a scout from the Forty ers in my living room. <laughs> and wow. It was and, and I didn't have cable, so I couldn't see the draft. I had a friend of mine who had cable, and he gave me a two-way radio. And so he called me to tell me that I was drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> wow. And that's, and that's how it happened. Wow. You know, what's really interesting about that is, is, is I think there's many people right now, there's some kids 18 years old, 15 years old, you know, they, they don't understand. They think that's prehistoric days when you don't have cable TV. When you're a college student, man, you don't have those luxuries. Certainly didn't have a cell phone. Now, I will say this, Rick. I did get a and I was drafted in 81. Do you remember, was Rockman at Arizona when you were there, Hubie Oliver? Oh, the Rockman? <laughs> Hubie was the man. That's fact, right. Hubie got drafted. If Hubie, Hubie was a senior when I was a freshman. There you go. And Hubie got drafted by the, the Philadelphia Eagles. That's right. I, and the same draft class I was. I think Hubie yeah. was like our, maybe our 10th round draft pick or something, or maybe even a little higher than that. But yeah, uh, certainly. I, I think that you are probably two inches shorter from trying to stick your head in there and tackle you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, listen, as a strong safety, at the many days in practice that me and Rockman ran up against each other, and I got mad, mad, mad respect for him. So does Wilbur Montgomery because oh, he was blocking for Wilbur Montgomery. But I, I will tell you this, man, he, he earned the name when he walked through the door. You didn't have to know him. Rockman walked through the door, and you understood why his name was Rockman. No doubt hey. about it. You know how those kids play with them little Power Rangers and how those Power Rangers look? That was Rockman. That's Rockman. And I, you know, that was Rockman. I haven't seen him in a while, but I would doubt that Rockman does not look the same because it would, that, that was not a steroid body. That no. was a hard earned body for years. And some of it was kind of natural. I got, I got to be honest with you. You know, some cats, they jump out the gym. They just jump out of bed and they look like that. But Rockman yeah. jumped out the bed into the gym. And, and was looking that good. But I tell you what, now, now let's go back if we will, cause I don't, I don't want to get past this, man. I had, I had, I received my call, which was, you know, I actually got called by the Bengals in 1981 to ask mm-hmm. if I could come and be a free agent for them. And I, I, I told them, well, I think about it cause the draft really wasn't over, but they said it was about to be over. And then I got my call from Philadelphia because they just lost to the Raiders. So they had mm-hmm. the, the next to the last pick, but they did call me. On my phone, I had a home phone at that time, and I'm I'm just trying to get not trying to make you look bad or us look bad. But did you have a phone at that time? Because some everybody didn't have phones in their apartment. Now, Rick, I don't want you know I don't want everybody to think everybody had phones. Did you not have a phone in the apartment? Oh yeah, I had a phone. Because, but here here's how it went down. The night before, I had several conversations with uh, Coach Weiss. Sam Weiss was the head coach. Oh yeah, and 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 they told me that they were going to take me at the seventh pick if I was there. You know, and uh, and at the time, you know, my my agent was Howard Slusher, and he was, you know, the king of the holdout. And uh, see, Cincinnati had originally had the first overall pick in the draft that year, and they were trying to sign Steve Young. They couldn't work a deal out with Steve Young. Steve Young took the contract and went to USFL. That's right. So now they trade that pick away, the number one pick, to New England, and now they get the the seventh overall pick. They get the fourteenth overall pick. And they have the 28th overall pick, and they have the first pick in the second round. So Cincinnati has, you know, a stack of first rounders. And with that first pick in the second round, they drafted Boomer Sison. Oh wow! With the 28th pick, they took Brian Blados. With the 14th pick, they took Pete Koch. And with the seventh pick, they picked Ricky Hundley. And so through that process, 
you know, uh, they their heart was set on getting a quarterback. Paul Brown, Mike Brown, Sam Weiss, they wanted a quarterback in the first round. If they couldn't get the first-round quarterback who had a first-round grade, then they were going to take the next best quarterback, the highest-rated quarterback in the second round. And so they got a great quarterback in Boomer Sison in the second round. Well, they used up all the money. <laughs> so by the time it gets to me, there was no money left. And they said, well, you're not a quarterback. Well, so, well, then you should address him first. Well, they said, well, the next thing you want is Paul Brown's hat. So, well, you got to give me the hat then. Wow. <laughs> and so that started the holdout. So I was probably the longest holdout in Bengal history up until 10 minutes before the trading deadline, and they traded me to the Denver Broncos. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. To my recollection, I don't think you ever put on a uniform in, in Cincinnati. I, I put on a uniform one time in minicamp. And uh, they we signed an agreement that uh, if there was a waiver, if I got injured in minicamp, then I would be paid the average of what the top uh, four linebackers would get. And uh, so I went to minicamp. And that was the only time that uh, I wore a bingo uniform as a player. Now, now let me ask you, so, so in, in reality, your experience was almost like being drafted by two teams because you were drafted by one team. The next thing you know, you end up playing for, for another team. I mean, how was the emotion like, you know, for that period of time well you know it it's really tough i mean you know it's tough being a holdout because you know your your love and your passion is about playing the game of football and wanting to play and you know how the camaraderie with your teammates you want to be with your teammates so whoever those new teammates are you want to be there with with the guys and being home alone trying to work out on your own and listen to all the criticisms and articles written and people you know telling you what you should do and where you should be, you know, it's hard. You know, you're 21, 22 years old, and you're, you're, you're sitting here listening to stuff. And I'll never forget one time I was in the grocery store while I was holding. I was, like, in September. And uh, this lady recognized me, and she said, you're Ricky Hundley. I said, yeah. And, 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 and the the news had broadcasted all over that the Bengals were offering a contract, um, but Ricky turned it down, and uh, whatever the number was at the time. And she said, I can't believe you would turn down that much money you know, and here I am. I'm working two jobs to support my kids. You should be ashamed. I'm like, lady, go ahead and sign a contract. <laughs> if you want it, it's there. Wow. What does that have to do with me and you? You know, but people take this stuff personally, especially people who are diehard football fans and people who are going through tough times. You know, they just can't see uh, how a person could pass up money. See, but I, I, I didn't grow up like that. I mean, even when I got drafted, I got drafted out of high school by the. Uh, Pittsburgh Pirates for baseball, baseball. Mm-hmm. and uh, they offered me a contract, and I turned that contract down. You know, and, uh, and and it was really it was just a contract for four weeks. There was only four weeks left in the summer. I could still play uh, my um, football and accept my scholarship and go to the University of Arizona. And you had seventy-two hours to go to training camp and make a decision at rookie camp to see if you want to accept the contract or you would forfeit your Legion eligibility because I was playing American Legion baseball. So I get to Brainton, Florida. Branch Ricky Jr. was the guy who drafted me, and uh, and they they liked what they saw. And they called me Baby Dave. I was Baby Dave Parker because I, I was smashing balls. I was hitting them out. Um, so they offered me $40,000 for four weeks. And... I sit back and I evaluated the situation. I said, here I am. I'm in Bradenton, Florida. It's hot. It's humid. No one speaks English but me and one other person. I was scared to death. I had never been outside of the state of Virginia. And I said, I'm going home. 
<laughs> That's what I did. I turned it down. I came home. So, you know, I just grew up on principle, and I make decisions based on principle. What's right is right. What's wrong is wrong. And sometimes, you know, you know, as you grow up and go through life, you can't always, you know, articulate your every feeling, and, you know. And so when you stand up on principle sometimes, uh, you know, uh, it's not uh, to the liking of everyone. Hey, Ricky, you uh, you came in at a pretty high level. I mean, seventh overall is, is way up the chain. But, you know, nowadays we have a, a, a mock draft that apes the other mock drafts. You can find one on every corner. Uh, did you have any visibility? I know you said you had a Seahawks scout in your in your living room, maybe a Niners as well, I think you mentioned. Did you know you were going to go that high, or was that a surprise to you? Or what was, what was the pre-draft buzz on you? Well, the, the pre-draft buzz on me is that, you know, I was going to be a top-ten pick. You know, and, and I was actually hoping that I would slide because Bill Walsh was one of the coaches who came in to visit me uh, uh, at the university. And we spent the whole day just watching tape, and I said, man, it'd be cool to play for this guy, you know, at, at San Francisco. Because, you know, they were kind of, you know, uh, way further down in the draft because, you know, they had had a, you know, uh, a better season in the Bengals. Um, but everyone had been telling me that, you know, because I came off of being a two-time consensus All-American. I was on everybody's All-American team two times in a row. We didn't have an opportunity at the University of Arizona to go to a bowl game because we were on probation uh, three of the four years of my uh, career. I mean, we were ranked as high as number three in the country uh, in defense, and then uh, we beat some giants. We beat USC when they were ranked number one in the country at SC. We beat UCLA when they were ranked number one in the country in Tucson. We beat Arizona State twice when they were already clinched to go to the Rose Bowl. We beat Notre Dame at Notre Dame. But uh, we always found a way to lose to Fresno State or Washington State. <laughs> and so things kind of balance out, and we never got that opportunity to go to a bowl game uh, you know, uh, as a team uh, there at the University of Arizona. So, Ricky, let me ask you, uh, this is Ray, of course. Uh, you mentioned that University of Arizona was on probation. Were they on probation when you arrived? Yes. Yeah, and, and yeah. okay, so so talk about that. You know, coming out of high school, uh, obviously, Rick, there had to be, uh, in Virginia, if you're being recruited by Arizona, there had to be all kind of schools that were recruiting you. Why would you choose to go someplace that was on probation as opposed to someplace else where you had a chance to win a national championship and play in a bowl game? That, that was something that was important to me, along with the education. Uh, what was your thought process then? Well, if you, you have to go back to the early 70s, to realize that, you know, there was only a few teams that was getting that major, major pub on TV. Every week you could see Notre Dame football, you could see USC football, and then whatever region of the country you would see those teams play. And uh, so, um, and I was not a fan. I was not a sports fan. So I played every sport. I played football. I played baseball. I played basketball. And so I was always busy. So I was not one. I was never one of those kids who sat in front of TV and watched sports and could recite who's on every team or every statistic. That wasn't me. I just played. Uh, you know, I'm just a little country kid who just played. <laughs> mm-hmm. So when I was being recruited, I mean, I was being recruited by, you know, Virginia, Virginia Tech, uh, you know, North Carolina, Ohio State. Uh, I, you know, I had a ton of schools that I could have gone to on the East Coast. In fact, I, I took several visits to Maryland, Virginia Tech, to Virginia, to Carolina. And all those schools said, you can't play baseball. Now, my first love was to play baseball. Oh, wow, so okay. All I, all I kept hearing from all of these coaches is that you have to go through spring ball, you can't play baseball in your first year. And the week that I took a trip to Virginia Tech, um, 
We drove to Virginia Tech through the mountains to get to Blacksburg, and we kind of, it was snowing, it was a snowstorm, and we skidded off the road and hit a mailbox, and no one got injured, but it was, you know, there was snow on the ground, and you skidded. So we had the trip, and then I come back home the next week, I was supposed to take a trip to Ohio State. Now, my good buddy, Sean Gale, we were going to take the trip together. Now, his brother, Jimmy Gale, is already at Ohio State, and we're going to take the trip to Ohio State. I, I'm almost 90% sure I would have probably gone to Ohio State had we made that trip. Well, we canceled the trip to Ohio State because they had a snowstorm. I had never been on an airplane, and I wasn't going to land in the snow on a plane, and I'd never been on a plane before. So I canceled that trip. My mother's sister just happened to be stationed at Fort Pachuca, and my position coach in high school he walked on at the University of Arizona back in the 60s. He said, ah, you know, we'll call it Arizona. You can get a trip there. Well, Tony Mason was the head coach at the time. Bob Davies was the recruiting coach at the time. And they came out, and I told him I really wasn't interested. So when we called back later and said, yeah, we'll take the trip, I'm saying, hey, I'll go see my auntie, you know. And, and I'd never been to the desert. I had no idea where it was. So we'd take the trip to Arizona. And we get out there, it's 85 degrees in February. i got to take my big old jacket off. They're playing baseball. It's sunny. It's beautiful. We're up in the, in the uh, Wildcat Club overlooking the baseball stadium. And they're doing their little thing, and I'm watching the baseball. And Coach Mason comes over, and he says, hey, Ricky, you play baseball? I said, yes, sir. He said, well, you can play here. I said, well, don't I have to go through spring ball first? He said, nah, nah, you can play. Don't worry about it. Wow. And that was that? Uh, from, from that moment right there, I called my mom. I canceled. I said, Stella, I think, I think I know I'm going to school. I said, cancel Notre Dame, Nebraska, and Ohio State. I'm going to University of Arizona. Wow. And as a coach, looking back, I said, you know what? That's when I learned the lesson that you never tell a kid what he can't do. He'll figure it out. Because I actually played baseball there my freshman year, but I, could, I would only a pinch runner. You know, they wouldn't let me play. I wasn't a scholarship player, so I wasn't going to get the opportunity that the other kids got. And by the time I was a sophomore, me and Hirsch Walker were the only two sophomores on the Play Ball American team. I said, you know, maybe I ought to stick with this football thing. Mm. And so, you know, my mind was changed, and I stuck with football. And that was that. You know, Ricky, I'm looking at a list now of uh, 23 players that are going to be out in New York that are going to be on site for the draft and uh, are going to be you know, out there to, to walk out on stage with the commission. I know you didn't make that trip, but we were talking a little bit earlier, Ray and I were, I don't know if you heard it before you came in, about the sort of culture shock that uh, Magic Johnson described when he went from East Lansing to partying with you know, Eddie Murphy and Jim McEnroe, or John McEnroe. Um, is there something that you would say, if you had five minutes with those kids in that green room before they were about to walk out, and, and they, you, know, you had all of theirs for five minutes, what would you tell those kids about, yeah, I know Cincinnati isn't exactly New York or L.A., but there had to be some sort of a celebrity athlete experience there for you, probably on a pretty high level in Denver. I know that you guys were pretty much revered as gods. What would you say to those kids if you had five minutes? Well, here's the first thing is, you're only a hero for a moment. We're in and out of this world so quick. If you took your timeline of 150 years with perfect health, perfect wealth, and everything you ever wanted, and you measured it from the beginning just to your teenage years, man, it's just, you're just a little speck, you know, leap on the radar. And, and if you look at how long this world's been around, and this world's been around light years, you go on any beach and pick up one speck of sand, and that speck of sand is probably equivalent to your 150 years in this world with everything you ever wanted. So what is going to be your legacy? You're going to be in and out of this world so quick. you know. And what do you want to do to leave a lasting impression that, you know, uh, 
negative stuff or the positive stuff. The positive things that are going on around you. There's a lot of kids that don't even go to New York to get offered that opportunity. It's like, man, go, enjoy it. You know, it's it's, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Oh, we're losing them. You know, and Marty Schottheimer said it best. He said, single focus, single purpose. And, you know, and, 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 and what I try to do is, is pass this kind of information on to kids because you want it to apply to life. You know, what these be life lessons. So... I remember my wife telling me one time, say, hey, you know, I was, I'm, I'm working at the University of Missouri. I'm out on the road recruiting. I'm out all, you know, for the month of May and, and part of April, April and May. And, uh, and I come in the house and I got my briefcase and my two little daughters are grabbing on it. Daddy, daddy, daddy. And she's looking at me, just look like, get out. Just go back to work. And I'm like, what? You know, I've rushed to be home with you guys. And she said, you're not here. You're still on the phone. You're still recruiting. You're still working. She said, I need you to be where you are when you're there. I said, when you're here with us, be with us. When you're at work, you be at work. And stay there till you finish. And she was so right. You know, she said, and another thing, when you finish dating them young boys, I want you to date me like you date them boys. I said, I don't date no boys. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hey, I, 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 I was listening to that part now. I was going to ask a question about that, Rick. <laughs> yeah, well, well we, we, you know what happens when you're recruiting uh, kids? In fact, we just witnessed it as we were over here in L.A. at LMU, the basketball coaches were recruiting a kid. And she said, remember how you call them on the phone, how you write them handwritten notes, how you fly in to see them, you fly them in, you wine and dine them. She said, that's how they're going to be dated. Well, I, I will tell you this, man. I can speak up and reinforce uh, with affirmity what your wife is saying because I myself, uh, and I'm sure you're probably somewhere close to that, uh, will celebrate my 30th anniversary. And that's what I tell young men, you know, and I speak to young ball players, you know, and, and talk to them about things outside of life. It's like when you do find that one, and you decide to marry her, fall in love with her every day, every day of your life. Treat her like you first met her, you know, and uh, that will help you uh, continue on with your uh, life, as you say, uh, till death do you part. So Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, hey, I live in a house with six women, okay? I got a wife who's a lawyer, her father's a judge, and he married us. Wow, wow. <laughs> and so, and, and we've been, we met on a blind date, and we've been married 23 years. There you go. There you go. When you find the right one, you know it. There's no doubt about it. Hey, you mentioned a couple of good names that I, you know, you and I share a lot in common. Obviously, uh, we're not going to talk about the drive or the fumble, but uh, there's some other things. <laughs> some good Speaking people. Speaking those games that you guys No, I, ain't, I didn't say a thing. And we went <laughs> on to the Super Bowl back-to-back. -back. <laughs> I didn't say yeah. a thing about that. But let me just say this. There was a, a man who, who had a very important part in my life. You know, he, mm -hmm. uh, as a young man out of Canton, Ohio, uh, I was recruited, and, and I wish he would have took that trip to Ohio State because instead of being Rockman's teammate, you, you would have been my teammate. Uh, mm -hmm. and, but, but certainly Alex Gibbs. Uh, Alex Gibbs was the, the person that recruited me. He was Woody's right-hand man. And, of course, Alex was there in Denver for many years, uh, mm -hmm. you know, as a coach. Uh, obviously, you on the opposite side of the ball, man. But, but talk to me a little bit about Gibber, you know, because there, there's a lot that's been said. And, you know, sometimes it's in a negative way about how the offensive line, because you guys had a serious running tack. And just like everybody knows, the only place that a person ever won two Heisman trophies ever was at the Ohio State. University, uh -huh. and you know who the offensive line coach was, uh -huh. Alex Gibbs. But yep. how was Gibber as a coach, man? I'd be interested to know once he got to that professional level. Well, you know what? Alex is awesome. He is an awesome teacher. I, the thing I learned, you know, having been a player and then being a coach for over 20-some years and having worked with Alex in camps, 
and you know, being on the other side. Alex is a technician. I mean, he is a teacher first. Um, yeah, his players respond to him. He, he makes he makes coaching and learning fun. Um, you know, and and and. and, and you know, he is kind of like the godfather of this business when it comes to O-line play. I mean, you you got a handful of guys that, you know, you mentioned your name, Alex Gibb and, 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 and Larry Beckel, and, 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 and these guys are, you know, they're just they're just the gold standard when it comes to coaching offensive line play. And, and Alex's scheme, they're still using it today. I mean, that's why the Houston and Texas are so successful. They run that zone scheme because he believed in having, you know, quick, fast, athletic linemen, you know, and they could beat you to the spot, you know, because it's all about getting your body in, in between the other guys so that the runner can, can you know, find a space. And, uh, but uh, I, I love Alex Gibbs. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I do too. You know, it, Alex was a person that I actually was considering transferring from Ohio State uh, as we were going into the winter of my uh, freshman year. And uh, mm-hmm. we were about to go to a bowl game, and, and Alex did something I'm not sure he was allowed to do, but I needed a ride home. And we rode home, and, and the man just laid out my entire future as he saw it unfolding you know, at Ohio State University, and it worked out that way, and I'm I'm, I'm so grateful and so happy. Uh, but I wanted to ask you something. You obviously had a chance, Ricky, to be a ball player and a coach. What's the difference in being a pro football player than being a pro football coach in terms of your approach to the preparation of the game? Because, of course, as a player, you are, your preparation, you get a chance to go out and participate. As a coach, you still do preparation, but on game day, you are not on the field. What's the difference in those two preparations? Well, that's light years difference. I mean, we could talk about that all day long. But, you know, there's a few important things that you have to understand. Coaches coach, players play. Coaches put in a lot of time to figure out all the different scenarios. And then you just kind of play the percentages and say, okay, let's take the higher percentages things and do those things and just do them well. The thing with a player, you want to keep it simple so that the player can play. Less is more. The more you give the player, the more you bog his mind down, you slow his feet down, he's not as productive. If he doesn't have to think, then he's playing. Because when you look at the game of football, that quarterback, he's got three seconds to make a good decision. If he's got three seconds to make a good decision on defense, you've got two and a half seconds to put pressure on him to help him make a bad decision. So the game of football is really played in, in, in these three to five second windows. And so when you put it all together, you got probably two and a half minutes of football that you play if you play 60 plays. That's right. And, and so, you know, you've got to make sure that don't ever try to put a coach's head on a kid's body because if you do that, you're going to slow him down. Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because, Ricky, uh, one of my good friends, I mentioned his name already, is uh, Wilbur Montgomery. And Wilbur said to me, he said, Ray, on game day, I don't coach. I've done all my coaching during the week. I don't, I'm not in a player's head. I'm not going to talk to him. I, I, whatever I needed to do in order to get him prepared, I've already done it prior to the game time. So once the game starts over, listen, we got to talk. We can't have you on the phone, a former coach. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm curious if you're looking at getting back into coaching, but don't answer that question yet. But the draft is coming up. And I know Doug has a few things he wants to ask you about the draft. So we're going to switch to this year's draft. And as a, as a former coach, I think, uh, Rick, if I'm not mistaken, a few years ago you were still in the league coaching. So I'm sure you probably look at it more from a coaching perspective, and I'm, I'm assuming that, than a player's perspective when it comes to talent. But Doug had a couple of questions he wanted to ask you about this upcoming draft. Well, actually, I want to ask you both. I, I want your take on a couple of players. I mean, this draft is kind of, I don't know. I mean, usually the NFL draft for me is like Christmas morning, I 
get excited leading up to it. But I haven't had like that buzz or that feel for whatever reason that might just be on me. I read an article today that said this is uh, the least compelling draft in the last 10 to 12 years, according to a couple of GMs who are off the record. But I don't I don't necessarily agree with that. And I think there's a handful of players that are really interesting in coming into the draft. So I just uh, let's let's play a quick game. Ray, you're in this, too. Ricky, uh, I'm just going to throw a name out there and give me a boom or a bust and uh, what your take is on, on that guy, all right? So here we, we'll start with... Well, well, hold on before you do that. Yeah. The first thing we got to say is that who are we to predict the future? Right. <laughs> okay. That's, right. that's from a player's perspective, I mean, too. I, yeah. I would say that, definitely. Well, but you I mean... Coaches, I mean, you, get, you, you know, you can... If you've done your research, I mean, because as a coach, you'll go back and you will do all your research, you do all your homework, you watch all the tape, you investigate, you talk to coaches, you talk to parents, you talk to administrators, you get a lot of information. But we're sitting here with no information, and we're trying to determine if a kid is a boom or a bust. Okay, here's a better way to put so it. So you mean you don't here's have a, your board in front of you? Hey, Rick? Yeah, I know right? you got your board, man. Here, here's a better <laughs> way to go with it. Uh, pick or pass. You draft him or you pass on that player. And here's the first one, Manti Teo. Oh, you, draft. Draft or pass? You draft. Okay, now let me ask you something. If you draft, are we talking about the first round of seventh pick of the draft? <laughs> no. <laughs> Not in the seventh slot. We, we got seven picks. But, uh, you want that guy in your locker room. You, well, got, you want is, that guy at your barbecue. I, I look at guys like that and I say, would I rather play with him or against him? And, you know, I will say this. Okay, Rick, now let me ask you this. And, and one game does not make or break a player. We do understand that. But... I do believe this. I, I believe that, you know, when when the uh, superstars meet one another, the talent rises to that occasion. And yeah. for me, I'm just sorry, man. In Alabama game, he didn't show up. And you can't ever have a game. I, I remember we played USC in the Rose Bowl, man. We had a defensive tackle. Anthony Munoz didn't play all season long. He came uh-huh. back in the Rose Bowl. Our defensive tackle didn't make one. He didn't even get a, an assist. He couldn't jump on a pile. That's how, that's how Anthony dominated that man. See, but here's the other thing, Ray. Okay, you're looking at it from a perspective of a defensive back who stands back there and let the linebackers take up, you know, create place for you to get in and get in on tackle, top, get in on the tackle. You know, we're taking all the abuse for you. Right? That kid's body of work says that he's worthy of being drafted. Okay, but there's also the matter of the fake dead internet girlfriend. You know what? There's a lot of people who've got issues. You know, and his, his, his has come I to agree. light. You know, and so when things come into the light, you're going to have to answer to them. Yeah, but he doesn't want to have to answer to those in the locker room to other players. I mean, you've been in those locker rooms. People are going to, at some point, somebody says something about catfish or whatever the case may be, right? And then there's tension. Do you really want that guy at your barbecue? You know what? I guess you can look down the road and say, okay, um, the player from the Rams had a manslaughter charge and somebody died. Do I want this guy in my in my locker room? Yeah, Leonard, Leonard Little, yeah, yeah. Okay, I mean, you can nitpick and find a bunch of little things, or, or, and, they're, and they're not little things, but a <laughs> bunch of different things, and say, you know, am I going to judge him strictly on this or not? You know, I I don't like to play God. Okay, okay. So so what about Tyron Matthew, the LSU defensive back who sat out all last year and has now been reported failed over ten drug tests, and and didn't run. I mean, he ran where they thought he would, maybe a little bit slower, and uh, has come out to be a much much more slight and pensive mm-hmm. than expected. Do, do you want that guy? Draft or pass? Here here again, the best predictor of future 
behavior as past behavior. And when you say fail 10 tests, <laughs> I pass. Okay. So you pass. No yeah. Tyron Matthew. What about Matt Barkley? Matt Barkley, you know, he played in a big-time program. He, he doesn't have a big-time arm. He's got a decent arm. Um, they were a disappointment. Um, but that kid did not have the support system of the offensive line that some other people have had. Yeah. And so uh, would I take a flyer on him? Yeah, I would draft him. Okay. Now, now trust me, I'm not saying I would draft all these kids in the first round. What I'm about, what about Geno would, Smith? would you draft Geno Smith high? Everybody's talking about him going off the board. Some, absolutely. Some, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. There's okay. some things this kid has that can't be taught. You know, in, 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 in this age of spread offense and people, I mean, now you've got to make plays in space. Now you're forcing guys like Ray Ellis and them to be the first <laughs> line of defense. Something he's not used to when all of you linebackers were, were shedding all the blocks. So, well, so well, I, 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 well, let me just say this. <laughs> I, I will say this about, about defensive backs and, and linebackers and all those people. You know, first of all, I just want to give them all the credit in the world because anybody who plays on the defensive side of the ball, you, you can't run from contact. you got to go get it. You know, if you don't get it, you ain't playing. You know, some other people, you can find a way. You can, you can, pull, you can be an offensive tackle or a guard, pull around the corner and not touch anybody. You know, just right. somehow or another, just miss everybody. But let, let, being from a corner perspective to a strong safety position, you know, for one thing, for me, that was mind-boggling to to move from corner to play to strong safety. But I just think that there's players that the National Football League, when they draft players, sometimes you're going to find some surprises. Sometimes people will drop and, and, and people will be overlooked. But what I'm concerned about nowadays is that, I find it surprising that with 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 all the time that's spent and and all the film that's watched that there are still some people that fall through the cracks and and I want to ask uh of course Ricky from being a coach and and I don't know how much input the coach actually has in the draft but does do you get a chance to sit down with those uh scouts and those people in the green room Rick to give any input as to what you think could help make your team better at your position that you're coaching? Absolutely. Well, those things happen before draft day and before the green room. All that stuff has already happened. So when is that happening? If you make it to the playoff, when do you guys start having the meetings for, okay, how are we going to get better next year through the draft? Uh, February. (laughs) It starts right away in February. Because the scouts, see, the scouts will go out on the road, and they may be looking at Ray Ellis, but while they're looking at this, Ellis on this Ohio State team, they see four other juniors who are coming up next year. So those guys are already on the radar. So a lot of those guys will be up on the board by the time the season ends. Um, and now they'll go back and do double checks and triple checks and cross checks, and then we'll watch tape on them. And, um, you know, all of that work is done, you know. And, and so those discussions have been had, and, um, you know, teams – it varies from team to team. I mean, I, I can really appreciate being with Cincinnati because coaches are really involved in the draft process. Now, we're with the Washington Redskins. We weren't even in the room on draft day. Okay, um, so so okay, like you said, okay, so early on you said they were involved, but now you're saying it depends upon the squad because some teams they're not involved in the process. Right, right. So it depends on you know uh, 
what you know what organization you're with. It's not all the same. Wow. Now let me ask you something. As a coach, and and, and you're in, let's say you're in a, uh, you're pursuing a job. Uh, you're on the open market. Would you look for a team that we, where you are more involved in the draft process, or you just want to coach what you get? There are more presidents in, 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 of countries <laughs> than there are NFL football teams. So there ain't a whole lot of people who have choices when it comes to wow. <laughs> picking a team. Wow. You know, it's not like being a free agent player. Is it that hard to keep a job once you get a job in the National Football League as a, as a coach, Rick? It's tough to keep a job because, you know, uh, I remember as a college coach, you know, and you always tell the players, if my livelihood is going to hang in the balance, then you damn well going to do what I want you to do. You know, nowadays you you got a lot of kids and they get a lot of in-flight, outside influences because they have more money, they have more resources, they get paid 10, 20 times more money than you. So you just can't cut a player for being a bad character guy. Hey Rick, we got we got we got thirty seconds, man. Give us uh, you know your most memorable moment if you can. Uh, leading up, it might not have been a pro football game, it might have been a college, or it might have been something in high school. But a quick little story, how it was important to you, something you never forget, having to do with football. Well, I'll never forget playing in this stadium. We're coming through the tunnel. They're hitting us with beer bottles. They're barking at us, hitting us with dog biscuits. And the, and the field is muddy and it's covered with hay and painted green and white. And I get this interception that starts the drive. John Elway drives the ball down the field. We win. We go to Super Bowl. <laughs> uh-huh. Who's on that other team all right, that day? All right, all right, all right, all right. All right. Who's on okay, that team? Now, see, I didn't pay you, man. Why the show got to end like that? Uh, okay, Rick. Hey, man, I appreciate it, man. I tell you what, but that's one of my favorite moments of my life because some people get a chance to play the game and some people don't, man. That's a beautiful thing to play. Hey. I appreciate it, man. I'm going to be in touch with you. We like to have Rick on the network. That's what's up? Listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. Ricky Huntley was on with us. And D-Mac, join us next week. We'll be here. Voice America Sports. I'm out. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.